Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I'll hope to meet you soon. One more thing, Sula. We know how hard you are working to break the diet cycle out there. We appreciate that work because we know Every single one of you who breaks a diet cycle is making our world more inclusive and safe for others to do the same. It's personal. We get it. That's probably why you're listening to a podcast. It's private and at your own pace. That's why if you've ever found benefit from this podcast, we want you to review and rate us. There are more people like you who want the same benefit. Helping our podcast get found by women like you is the best way to help us further our mission to break the diet cycle. We literally couldn't do it without you. Will you review us after you listen to this episode? Thanks, Tula. Do you ever notice your relationship to money mirrors your relationship to food? We hear this all the time in sessions. People notice that if they have a restrictive mindset around food, that tends to bleed over into money. And I personally have always wondered about this. Is there anything to it? It's a pattern I see as a registered dietitian. And so what we did is we brought in a personal finance expert. And I am so jazzed up, energized by this interview. You're about to get your mind blown too, get inspired And ultimately, we want you to listen to this for two reasons. One is health is more than weight and size and nutrition and movement. We talk about it all the time. Financial health is an aspect of your health. So we hope this helps you think holistically about yourself in that way. And the other thing, you know, if you've spent any time on my page, I'm all about creating that whole new mindset that backs your intuitive eating journey. And I think that intuitive eating mindset helps us more places than we think. So without further ado, let's hop into our interview today. Can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Hello, and welcome back to the pod. Delina, you know, I've been looking forward to this. We talk on the podcast all the time about health holistically. We talk about how finances and access impact health, our ability to engage with health. And so we are delighted to welcome Bola Shokumbi, who is the author of Choosing to Prosper and CEO, correct, of Clever Girl Finance. Yes. yes. Oh, we love so that. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you ladies. 
I, we've been doing some email interactions this is our first IRL meeting. The reason why I asked you, Bola, is your story on your website about how your mom inspired you and like my little hairs are standing up. I think that's the coolest thing when our businesses can be inspired by real life stories and experience. So I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell our listeners a little bit about what inspired you to create Clever Girl Finance, and then we can talk all about financial health from your perspective. What do you think? That sounds great. So as you mentioned, my name is Bola Shakumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Several Finance. I'm also an author. We are an online financial education slash female empowerment media platform. And we offer all of our content for free, including our courses. And the goal is really the reason why behind that is really to give everybody access to financial wellness. A lot of people will say, well, if somebody is spending money on XYZ, if somebody can afford to do this vacation and go out to eat, then they should be paying for financial wellness. But I feel that sometimes people get to the point where they need help, they need support, and they may have made the money mistakes, and that's fine. And there shouldn't be a paywall in front of them being able to receive that support, even if they've made mistakes, even if they went out to eat dinner 10 times <laughs> last month, yes. right? People right. live and they learn. So my mom is definitely inspirational to the why behind my business, why I started my business, but really just going through my own experiences, uh, learning how to manage my money, learning how to invest, and just realizing that there wasn't a lot out there for women or even women of color. I remember coming, graduating from college and getting my first job and wanting to just really do well with managing the salary I was getting paid. And for some reason, I wanted to find a personal finance book for women. And I remember walking into the bookstore and I couldn't find anything for women. There was something on wills and trusts by Susan Orman. There was, you know, there was, and then there was one book on personal finance for women. And it was a New York Times bestseller. It was the only book, but it was written by a white man. And I thought mm. it was so odd, um, but I bought it anyway. But I'm like, what? Got to start what? somewhere. You know? <laughs> and the book was based on his grandmother's story. It's an excellent book, but I was like, where's our perspective? Where's our personal insight? And at the time, starting my business was nowhere in my realm of view or vision, but it, it planted a seed that, you know, when I started talking to my friends and then colleagues, and then I had a personal blog talking about life, but then also money, I realized that we needed as women, our own space to talk about money where we're not shamed, where we're not having all of our success attributed to a man, where we don't have to feel embarrassed if we don't know certain things, where it's not a boys club, where it's like, oh, who has the most money? You know, right. who can who can drive the fastest in this sports car? Like, we're not like that, right? So, <laughs> and, you know, this is nothing against... If that's your thing. Our favorite guys out there. I love my husband. I have a son. But it is about, like, representation. Um, but it's about like, representation, exactly. Yeah. It's about being able to find a relatable um, perspective, being able to to be proud of who you are and not be ashamed and not be embarrassed and to make money a normal conversation for women. And the reason why I say normal conversation is because if you look back generationally, look at your mother's generation or your grandmother's generation, depending on your age, the age of your listener, even your great grandmother's generation back then, I'm going to stereotype a little bit. But back then, the idea was the mom is the homemaker, right? You can go to college, you can have your little career, but you are a homemaker. Your goal is to take care of your family and raise your kids. And your husband's job is to go out and make 
money, right? And if you're a single woman, well, too bad for you because guess what? You cannot buy a house. You cannot open a bank account. You cannot get a loan. This is way back then, unless you have a man. So either you find a husband, you get a brother, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. get a sponsor to come sign these accounts for you because you cannot do it yourself. And so a lot of us, we have great recipes from our grandmothers, from our great grandmothers passed down to us, but we don't necessarily have that generational financial knowledge passed down. And it's not because they didn't want to, it was because Mm. there was something that was deemed a woman's place back then. And they did the best that they could with what was deemed their place. Fast forward to this generation. Now we're in the world where there is the gender pay gap, which is incredibly impactful to women being able to build wealth, but we're making more money on average than our mothers and our grandmothers did. More women are in the workforce than our mothers and our grandmothers. A lot more women are single household earners, breadwinners, single mothers, sole household earners. And we're now in this position where we need to know how to manage our money. We need to be able to empower our children, both our sons and our daughters, about financial wellness. And so we need that education now that we are creating our own seat at the table. And so that's part of, well, mostly <laughs> the inspiration behind what I do, what I, why I do what I do. So very, very long answer. I'm inspired as all hell right now. You can talk <laughs> as long as you want on this. Delita, it reminds me of like a lot of what we talk about with like yeah. generational diet. We talk more obviously about dieting and nutrition, but like our mothers were not privy to a lot of access to information the way that the internet has allowed now. And so it sounds like that's a similar thing for you. Like you wanted to get that in front of people where they maybe historically have not had access. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's personal to me too, because my mom was, was part of that expectation. She got married when she was 19, she had a high school diploma and it was great if she wanted to go to college, but it was more important for you to find a husband. (laughs) back then especially from the culture I come from and so she got married young Uh, my dad was older and she was fine with it right this is what all her friends were doing was normal life and then as she started to get older in her marriage she started seeing things happening with her friends that she just did not like she was seeing friends who were unable to leave abusive relationships because they had no idea of family finances she was seeing friends who unfortunately lose a spouse And the family would come in and take over everything because the husband never involved them or put their name on any family assets. And she was seeing women who just did not have any options in her friends group because they didn't have any money. And I remember a few times I would, as a little girl, I'd be in the corner of my living room and my mom would be consoling her friends who has nowhere to go tonight because she doesn't want to go back home because her husband is beating her, that type of thing. So my mom was like, wow, I, I need to figure out how to to be able to stand on my own feet if God forbid my own marriage doesn't work or I want to create options. I want to pursue one of my own dreams. Right. So my mom decided to go back to school to get her degree. And I went with her to her college classes, but that was her opening. That was her pathway to be able to be able to become financially independent and contribute to our household finances. So my parents are still married. They've been married for, I think at this point, over 50 years, like 51 years. 52 years like that. But she wanted to have those that option for herself. And eventually my mom became the breadwinner of our family when my dad went through a financial downturn. So it it is it's it's so important for women to, especially in today's world, to have a handle on our money. I love this. And I love this and just like I about you know how this podcast or like what we talk about when it comes to health and wellness and all of this. But a lot of the times 
when we don't think that we're enough, right? We, you know, try to not take up space, right? Like there's so much when it comes to like the workforce and finance and making money as a woman that is also tied to diet culture and how we're perceived, you know, if you make too much, you are too much. If you brag, you're a bitch. If you take up space, right? Like you you have to be quiet because this is a man's room, right? Or even like when we hear women tell us, well, I'm in a bigger body. I can't be a CEO, right? Because I don't get taken serious because I look like X, Y, Z, right? So there's so much time and energy spent on shrinking ourselves and also not taking up too much room metaphorically and also like financially, like not making more. Like, like, I think I saw something like a meme that was like, women are afraid to make more than their husbands. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not. Oh my God. It's, no, we're not. You know what? <laughs> Everything you said, I have a whole chapter in my book, <laughs> choosing to prosper on this t- particular yeah. topic. And it's us not wanting to take up space, but other people getting mad when we do start yeah, to take correct. up space. Yes. Like yeah. you, people will see a successful woman and automatically there is a reason as to why she has that success. Mm-hmm. People will see a successful man and he's a standalone successful man. Nobody really mm-hmm. talks about the fact that his father gave him a small gift of $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> small. You should have, the, the quotes were like wings. They like the air quotes were huge. Nobody really <laughs> talks about the fact that his wife was the one hustling behind the scenes to make him build yeah. this empire. But when it's a woman who is successful, she's really allowed to have a standalone success it's always oh yeah she must have a rich boyfriend oh she's sleeping around oh it's because she's divorced and she got a divorce settlement is because it's because she's single and she has no kids or husband to worry about that's why she can do that it's because she's this is because she's that because her dad is this like there's always a reason and that I have firsthand stories on this you know one of my popular stories from uh, media stories from building clever finance was me sharing my saving story when I first came out of college. New college graduate, young girl, single. I managed to save $100,000 over a period of two and a half years. And then I got featured in a Money Magazine article. And at the very end of the article, it said something like Bola lives in New Jersey with her husband with her twins and husband, who is a physician. And all of a sudden people started making Instagram pages about me. Oh my God, the only reason she was able to save $100,000 is because she's married to a physician. That's the only reason why she could even talk about financial wellness because her husband is a physician. I'm like, what part of the article did you not read that said new college graduate single? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So there's, it's, it's, the jump to conclusion. Sometimes us not wanting to take up space, sometimes us being afraid to take up space because of the perception of other people. And then other people who are so used to this idea of, wow, a woman should not take up space. Now then just not allowing us or wanting us to take up space or making it difficult for us to feel confident about the space that we're taking up. Mm. So financial wellness, but if you add a plus sign to it for, for women, plus financial confidence is incredibly important because you will find that as you become more financially successful in your own right, people are going to find ways to bring you down just be, just by virtue of you being 
female or identifying as female, right? And it could be strangers. It could be people closest to you. Like I once had a friend who told me they could never marry someone like me because I'm too ambitious. And I'm like, you should absolutely want to marry someone like me because you know what I bring to this, to the team? Yes. You know yes. what I bring? I'm your, I'm your VIP player. Are you joking? Like what a limited right. mindset that you're going to find a woman who is not as ambitious as you who like you know who doesn't take up space because what she's made she, she has potential to make more money than you right mm. how about you you be happy that you have someone contributing so much to your team efforts so I, I couldn't agree with you more <laughs> well and it's it, this feeling of like cheering people on in the success there's like a scarcity around well if they have it Will I not have it? I joke around with my friends a lot. I call it quote community assets. I'm like, I want you to get a vacation home because there's a community asset in our, in our circle. Now I want you to get it. Like to think about, you know, our ability as a collective, as a community to hold each other up and support each other. We all benefit from that in a way, you know, and that's, that's your attitude is like, look, I am able to support others in my life because of this quality in me of being ambitious and being organized and being disciplined. I think that that's a really great point. We forget about a lot. Yeah. And you should want to have friends that are crazy ambitious and crazy successful because they're going to motivate <laughs> the hell out of you. It's, it's go, it goes back to that saying, Oh, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And also you are the average of the five people you hang around with. I want to be the average of the best of the best, not the Mm -hmm. average of unambitious, you know, no life goals, Mm -hmm. bitter and hateful, pity party friends. (laughs) Those are not the friends that you want, right? You don't want to be the average of that. So you want to see your friends win so that you can be motivated and excited and inspired to go out and win for yourself too. Yeah. And and whatever value that is. And I think, some people are more motivated by money. Some people are more motivated by other things. And so we talk a lot in this program, but like figure out who you are, what's your values? What is it that you want? And your circle should reflect that your support should reflect that all the rest. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of financial health. Something just came to mind as you were talking about these comparisons we make about what sort of jump starts people got or did not get compared to their like financial wellness. Now we see this a lot happen with health too, right? There, there's a genetic component to health. Some people live in cities where they have great access to healthcare. Some people have familial understanding of nutrition or health that carries in. And that does give them a leg up when it, when it you know comes to experiencing health. And it sounds like that's also true in various forms around finances. Some people have conditions that might put them you know, in the 25, 50, 75 yard line when it comes to financial health. There are also our behaviors, our attitudes, and what we do with that yard line we are on. So one, do you agree with that? Is that a similar thing with finances as we think about it with our you know, physical, emotional, mental health? And then how do we measure financial health? Like, what does that even mean to be financially healthy, Bola? Yeah, so I do agree with that finances and health are very, very similar. And, you know, like you said, there are some people who are, who are not raised around healthy eating or like balanced eating, but that does not mean that's impo- it's impossible. Like if something is not inherent to you, something is, if it's something, if you were not raised with something, doesn't mean that it's not possible for you to do it. It's totally possible for you to do it. Like, you know, I wasn't raised eating a lot of fruit, 
<laughs> I mean, we ate a lot of vegetable, not necessarily fruit. Like my parents are not fruit eaters, but I intentionally give my kids fruit with every meal to the point where if we go out to dinner, they will ask for fruit first, right? So just because I wasn't raised that way, and this is just a random example, but just because I wasn't raised that way doesn't mean that I can't learn to eat that way or raise my kids that way. And the same applies to money, right? You may come from a background where your parents were incredibly irresponsible with finances, but that could be the motivator that wants you to do better with your money. It comes to a, from a background where your parents absolutely never talked about money. But then as you've made your own mistakes, you, you're like, wait a minute, there is value in teaching my own children, my own family members, my own friends, talking to them about money, because this is what I didn't understand. And this is what I now know. And I now know it's so important to share this knowledge. So other people, you know, have a different experience. So there are very many similarities, but at the same time, as you guys already know, it, it's not a, it's not a sentence. Like you can, anybody can do well financially as long as you are committed, right? You could have been, you could have made financial mistakes all your life, come from a, a background where, come from a background of poverty, come from a background of financial responsibility. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to continue that cycle. You can break that cycle. And in terms of what does financial health mean? It's independent to each individual, right? Personal finance is personal. You determine what's most important to you. And what's most important to you is tied to your own personal core values, right? So th there's a lot of confusion there because in today's, today's world, especially with the, the pressures of social media and as always pressures of family, people have these expectations and goals for their lives that they really didn't set for themselves. It was their friends and their family on social media that said this for you. You should have this amount of money by this age. You should be married by this age. You should have this many kids by this age. You should live in this city. You should wear these clothes, carry this bag, wear this shoe. Otherwise you are a failure. But do you really care about that kind of stuff? What is the thing that truly matters to you? What is, what is, integral to your own happiness, right? And the money is a tool to help you achieve that. So financial health is really you getting clear on your core values. What truly matters to you? What's going to make you happy? Is it saving a million dollars? Great. Is it being able to travel around the world and afford to do it comfortably? Great. Is it you want to go to the top of the Empire State Building and use a money blaster to blast off a million dollars? Great. If that's important to you, and that is what oh it is. God. It's not the expectations of social media and your family. It's what's truly going to make you happy, right? And when you're clear on your core values, then you know how to set your goals and plan your finances to pursue that value of saving your million dollars, of being able to take your annual vacation, of being able to retire at whatever age, 25, 35, 45, to Costa Rica. That's how you're able to leverage money to create your dream life. A dream life is not being a billionaire, right? You can go on CNN right now, Twitter right now, and see all the miserable billionaires posting their life's woes every 15 seconds. Or, you know, buy it because they can. <laughs> because I can. I'm so bored and I have so much money and, and I, I don't want Twitter to ever block me. So guess what? I'm going to buy it. Being a billionaire does not make you happy. If it's an aspiration for you, that's incredible as long as that's a, a value that's truly meaningful to you so financial health is personal don't let anybody help you decide what is financial success to you it might be five hundred thousand dollars it may be having ten thousand dollars saved in your bank account it may be having a billion dollars it's entirely up to you so you 
draw the line in the sand as to this is my definition of success. Forget about everybody on social media and everybody who's telling you who you should be, where you should be, all that kind of stuff. And just focus on what truly makes you happy. And that will help you achieve not just financial success, but your overall wellness. Oh, I love that. It comes back to values again. And those values, once you kind of sort that out, you can have multiple, they can change in priority through seasons of your life. I can tell you what I valued at 23 is different than now. It will probably be different 10 years (laughs) from now. Like having that understanding of your values means no matter what domain of health you're working on, you can figure out what you, what you need to be doing, what you need to be working on overall. Yeah. It's making me think of like lottery winners. Whenever you hear those like sad yes. stories oh where like God, yeah. they win and then like their lives kind of get destroyed, you know? Have you watched that show? There's a what? show on. Is it like reality? Show is. It's, it's like, um, I saw it. I don't know why I was watching this, but it's like the curse of like the lottery winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it talked about like how like these people win the lottery, but then they like lose the money as quickly as they, they won it because they just like don't understand financial literacy right so they just like blow through it and I think that again just to like think about it just as like a first generation right Dominican in the U.S. like my parents were not thinking about generational wealth they were not survival yeah they were thinking of survival right we often talk about the hierarchy of needs like they were just meeting the most basic Mm -hmm. needs and sending money back to the Dominican Republic to their family there and that's what we learned but that doesn't mean that we can't move up right Right. and it ties that ties into like taking care of ourselves and taking care of our health and our financial like there's so much there's and there's so much guilt around it as well like I experience a lot of guilt around it and like being like well why why can I do this but other people can't right like how come like you know I I I can get paid this you know or XYZ things, but then other people, you know, are mm-hmm. out there struggling. I think also that as like a first generation mm-hmm. person also is like such a struggle mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, I'm finally making a little bit of money. But then you're like, oh crap, am I worthy of making this money? Cause there's other people suffering in the world. And I saw my parents, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's such a like, I don't know. I, it's just such a struggle. An immigrant I, I struggle. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. I'm an immigrant as well. And it's the the challenge is different, right? Because everything for most immigrants who come here, your your reason why you're coming here is not because you're bored, is because <laughs> you're bored of your country. It's because you're coming here for a better life, which means where, wherever you came from, you had struggle, right? And then you come into a country like this where a lot of things are taken for granted, and you have this opportunity, even though to a lot of people it doesn't even seem like an opportunity, but to you it's like, wow, this is from where I'm coming from, and your goal is to survive, but also to bring your people with you, right? And that's where the sending money back home comes from. That's where you start to feel the guilt of, wow, as opposed to doing this, maybe I could do this for my family or, wow, you know, my family has struggled so much. Who am I to be CEO? Can I even accomplish it knowing Mm -hmm. that I come from struggle? And I think there's a lot of scarcity mindset associated to that because, our parents are all about, wow, you have an extra money. Let's, let's use it to pay electric bill. Cause I don't know, we're never going to have more money. Let's send it back to, right. let's send it back home. Let's pay a medical bill. Let's do this. You know, wow. I can't believe you bought those shoes for a hundred dollars. You know what I can do with a hundred dollars by convert it to our local currency. Like <laughs> we need to let go of that mindset and embrace abundance and know that it's okay to have, and also to give 
right? But I was going to go back to what you said about the curse of the lottery winner. Uh, a lot of times when people hear that, they detach themselves from that because it's like, yeah, they won a million dollars and they're so responsible. But I think it's a curse of everybody because if you don't have a good financial basis, you don't have the financial literacy, I can give you $10 right now and it will slip through your fingers immediately because you do not know how to manage that $10. I can give you $500 right now and it'll disappear by tomorrow on nonsense, even though you had bills to pay that you could have used that $500 for. So there's a saying my dad would always tell me, penny wise, pound foolish. And it basically means that if you have not learned right? And this is your responsibility to learn this. If you're listening to this, you're here for a reason, right? It it is no longer your mother's fault or your father's fault at this point. Now, this is your future going forward. So you owe it to yourself to learn how to manage your money. So, you know, it's the same basically says, if you have a penny and you do not know how to manage this penny, I can give you a billion gazillion dollars and you're not going to know how to manage this you know, and it goes back to the idea of people waiting to make more before they save, before they invest, before they pay off debts. No, you can wait to make more and make more. But if you haven't figured out your plan out now, the more you make is really going to be more to spend. Lifestyle creep. Oh, I'm, I need the better bag. I need the better shoes. I need the better car. Oh, I need to take an extra vacation. Oh, well, you know what? I cannot travel economy class anymore. It's only business for me right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Or shops at like- Target. <laughs> I'm going straight to Neiman Marcus. Like it just happens like that, and the money just slips through your fingers. Um, so. Delina will always shop at Target. She was like, "That's not a problem <laughs> for me. She should be working for them." I love. I just bought some T-shirts at Target yesterday. The, the basics. <laughs> I go every day. Always. Every day. Every day. They, they know her there. <laughs> yeah. No. That's this is really interesting, right? Because we we kind of think about when, when, when this like future imaginary state we will change our relationship to money when it could happen now. I'm reminded of a story when I was in my, right after college, I carry a lot of student debt. Delina and I talk about this sometimes, like student debt is a beast for a lot of people of our generation. And, you know, in the beginning as dietitians, our salaries are pretty meager. We were not, you know, you don't become a dietitian to make a lot of money. We like to help. And I remember at that time really being avoidant of looking at my money because it was so scary for me. Like I didn't want to look at it because I'm like, I don't even have an extra penny to work with. And that made me feel really hopeless and sad. And so I just did it. That being said, to be honest, at the same time, was I traveling? Yes. Was I buying? So that mindset thing really resonates with me where like the, the fear caused avoidance and I'm behaving in a way, but it wasn't really planful or choice driven. It was sort of like a fear-based relationship to my money where finally one day me and my husband sat down. And I remember in tears, just like, does this mean I'm not going to be able to buy my hair products anymore? Cause you know, we got these curls, they need a lot of, they need a lot of scrunching and gels. And it, 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 it sounds silly, but like, these are the things that make, I think, make it really hard for people to imagine, particularly if you carry debt or you didn't get a lot of help from parents that mindset of like, it's their fault, I'm stuck here, causes avoidance. So tell us a little bit about like mindset. What are some of the roadblocks on mindset that you see and, and how do we overcome those? So there are a lot of roadblocks. I mean, we create our own roadblocks, to be honest. I mean, for the most part, not everybody creates their own roadblocks. Sometimes roadblocks happen to you, but a lot of times we create our own roadblocks. Like, you know, for example, not wanting to look at your finances. There's nothing, there's no barrier. There's no fine 
if you look at it, you're just looking at it, right? And then you do the irrational thinking, oh, if I look at my finances, I cannot buy the shampoo, but you already buy the shampoo. <laughs> and the shampoo is not the reason why you have your student loans, right? So so there's irrational thinking. Also, that that's the thing I'm holding on to. <laughs> yeah, like that's so irrelevant. I'll take my shampoo. This is how our mind... And I'm listen, I struggle with this as well. Like I will, you know, I I I have all this again, it's that scarcity mindset from my my upbringing that I also have to learn how to let go of, right? I will get to a point where I want to buy something and maybe it's beyond my budget or it's going to take my account below a certain level. And I will spend so much time thinking about this thing and how I don't have money to buy it and how this, that my husband, like, but aren't you getting paid tomorrow? But I cannot see tomorrow because it's like, it's so far away. The two hours until 1am tomorrow is like 17 years in my head. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't buy this. I have no money. How am I going to buy this? So we all do that. So Roblox, are mental roadblocks, the circle of influence roadblocks. So mental roadblocks are the things that we tell ourselves. Nobody in my family has done this. I can never do this. Why, why should I ever do this? But have you tried, right? No one is your, no one in your family has done this, but you are not everybody in your family. You are you, right? The self-doubt, right? What are people going to think of me? People are always going to think something of you, right? You have to stop caring. So I talked about mental roadblocks. The second thing I talked about was, I'm blanking now. You said circle of influence. What does that circle mean? Circle of influence. So circle of influence, roadblock. These are the people that you surround yourself with. You know, uh, my husband came out of med school with multi six figures of student loans. And he will tell him, oh my God, you can never pay that off. Other physicians would tell him, never. I'm 65 years old and I still have $150,000 of loans. <laughs> you choose to have $150,000 of loans, especially since you've had the income to support paying it off. So circle of influence, are the people you surround yourself with that will throw you the pity party to make sure you stay in pity. Girl, you can't pay it off. Me too. We're both going to be broke forever. That's just how it's meant to be. We can never do it. You and me, let's get our wine, our favorite drink, and the woe is us. And then tomorrow you call them, girl, do you know what happened? You know, I got paid today and then my tire went flat. I had to spend half of my paycheck fixing my tire. And she's like, you know what? That's what happens because we're just never meant to succeed. We're never, ever going to succeed. That is a circle of influence roadblock. That is somebody, right? That is not helping you succeed. That is also limiting your mindset and is just a roadblock, right? The, uh, the kind of person that helps eliminate this roadblock is, Hey girl, I got a flat tire. I just got paid. I had to spend all this money. I planned for this for fixing the flat tire. The friend you want is a friend that will say, oh, wow, that happened to me too. But guess what? What you can do is open up a bank account where you put sinking funds, right? For unexpected expenses. So that the next time this happens, because you've been putting a little bit of money there, you now have the $500 to fix your tire. That's the friend that you want. So there's those two things. And then there is there are... You know, and the circle of influence is also the people that we allow to place those roadblocks on us, right? Maybe sometimes if you have a goal, something that's really important to you, and you're, you, you, you're not sure if you can do it because we all have that self-doubt, maybe you don't share it with those people who are going to kill your goal or throw the pity party. Maybe you keep it close to you, right, until you feel more confident once you've made progress to being able to, to share your goal. Think about it like when you first plant, put seeds in the ground to plant something, plant a tree, plant a flower, right? If people walk all over where you planted that seed, they're going to kick it out of the dirt and it's never going to grow. But if you allow it to take root 
and get firm in the ground, right? Once it grows that trunk, doesn't matter how people, how hard people push against it, it's not going to break. It's not going to die, right? But you have to water it and you have to take care of it in order for it to build that strong trunk. So think about your goals that way. Not everybody needs to know your goals. And, you know, sometimes it's people in your family who are your circle of influence roadblock, right? And it's not because of you. It has nothing to do with you. When they tell you, you can never succeed, it may not have anything to do with you. It's based on their own personal experiences and their own limited mindset, but you 100%. don't want to think that way. So no, so those are the two, two, I said two main roadblocks because when it comes to financial wellness, everything else is, is really skill set. It's stuff you can learn. The same way you learn how to ride a bike. If you ride a bike, learn how to swim, learn how to walk. You can learn about personal finance management and achieving financial wellness. There's that saying, you know, and I think you guys see this in health as well. With money, it's it's 20% skill set and 80% getting past those roadblocks and mindset limitations around the people around you, around the way you think of yourself. So, yeah. Hundred percent. Well, it's funny because I remember when I told people, Delina, this might have happened to you too. I'm like, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to make a private practice. And out of the blue, like people weren't <laughs> even that close to me. We're like, good luck with that. That's going to be hard. You think you, how are you going to do that? And constantly people asking me like, how many clients do you have? How's it going? It's like, these people are waiting for you to, <laughs> They're fail. Waiting to fail. Yes. Yeah. In their mind, in their mind, they can never imagine why you could ever be successful because they've never not been able to do it. Um, and it could mean that number one, they didn't want it bad enough. Or number two, they were too focused on what people like you were doing to focus on building their own success. Or three, they were getting caught up in social media and having their circle of influence roadblock throw them pity parties. Woe is all of us. Let's cry together. Mm, yeah. They were not spending time focusing on what can I do to achieve this business growth? This is how people always say, I don't have the opportunity. I've never had the opportunity. I don't get opportunities, but the opportunities come. You're only able to identify the opportunities if you've adjusted your mindset to receive them, right? So going back to the friend I talked about who said she had a flat tire, she had to use her paycheck to cover it, right? She she would miss the opportunity to create a plan for next time by surrounding herself with the people who tell her that's how it's supposed to be. Because then at this point, she's never going to create a plan. She's never going to think about, oh, how much of my next paycheck can I put towards this new sinking fund account so I can start saving for unexpected expenses. Opportunities, if your mindset is not open to receiving them, will pass you by. Opportunities to meet the right people, opportunities to build your business, opportunities to pay down your debt, right? You might be so caught up in the fact that you owe $10,000 that you're like, I can never pay this off. And as you think that the interest continues to compound and the balance continues to go, when right in front of you in your kitchen, you have 17 appliances that you can sell (laughs) today on Facebook marketplace and get $1,500 for and knock off a significant amount of your debt. That's an opportunity that's staring you at the face, but you can't see it because they're so caught up in the woe is me, the negative people, right. etc. So that person who's like, oh, how you do your business, blah, blah, blah. Not the right circle of influence. <laughs> Delina and I both in our services offer circles of influence that put people <laughs> more in line with the approach we use called intuitive eating. And so Delina has the Chula Club. I have the No More Guilt community. And one of the things that we hear people say all the time is like, I don't have anyone in my life who gets what I'm trying to do. They don't support me. And 
here you, Melissa, have these communities that are so amazing that it nurture and I, I want to do it, but what do you hear, Delina? Like what's the, what's always the but? The but is, or I can't afford it, or it's just not at my price point right now. And I'm going to just say, y'all can get mad at me, but y'all be paying $500 for Herbalife and y'all be paying. I mean, I had a, I had a chula, like this is <laughs> common knowledge. It's on my page. She shared with me. She paid $1,400 to do a weight loss program. For frozen one, meal kits or whatever. For one month. Yeah. $1,400. And then the lady that she went to Puerto Rico, <laughs> the lady was like, oh, you left to Puerto Rico. You're not going to lose weight. So I'm not giving you your money back. She lost $1,400 for a month. For you know what it month. is? That is very common with personal finance as well. Everything you said, like the butts, I want yeah. to do this, but nobody in my family, but, but, but there, and yeah. I have accounted for every excuse that you have. And a lot of people, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, it's hard to deal with health and money. It's not yeah. possible. You need to get out of your comfort zone if you want to succeed. And it's not going to be easy, but people are so caught up in get rich quick, do this fast based wow. on what we see on social media. My business made $17 million in two days. Yeah. I lost 50 pounds in 10 days. Like those yeah. are not realistic stories, right? Those are yeah. not the person who lost the 50 pounds in 10 days probably went on an insane crash diet. That is not yeah. sustainable. That is yeah. terrible for their health. And then go visit them at the aftermath of those 10 yeah. days and see what happens. The person who said they made $17 million in five days on their business probably spent $16.999 million running Facebook ads. Yeah. <laughs> and their break even is oh, $1. We see that all the time in our no, communities. Like, yep. In the business communities, in the dietitian community. Nothing, nothing <laughs> comes easy. Nothing comes without hard work, but the rewards are incredible. You just have to stick with it. There is no quick scheme to getting rich to becoming healthy it takes time it takes discipline because when you do that that pursuit speed speed rush approach to building wealth or to to improving your health what happens is that you get to a point where you just crash and burn mm -hmm. right it's like the cycle of dieting and I have a friend she diets all the time and she's like dude I would diet and lose weight and then gain it back and then diet she's she's and right over here that. yeah don't get caught up in in the schemes and the 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 sensational stuff on social media yeah. take your that's time okay take your time and understand you're gonna have to get out of your comfort zone yeah it, yeah that's what sells but it's the person that it's making rich is not you yeah it's, and noticing too like selling it like, I think this day and age in general, businesses are accountable to sharing their values and you should be looking for, for providers, Clever Girl Finance. If, if what Bo is talking about, like value aligns with you, she's probably the type of educator for you. And same thing with me and Delina. And one of the things Delina and I are both committed to is like working with people. So if you say, hell yes, I want to do this, but the finances aren't there, We've got stuff at affordable price points. We do, at least for myself, like we do offer financing for our higher ticket items, like a monthly payment schedule. So I, I want to encourage people too, because I think before I was in business, I would have been very embarrassed and shy to say, I want to do this, but I, I actually, here's my budget. Sometimes when you're working with certain providers, they'll hear you out and they'll point you to a service that's going to be right for you at that budget point. You still got to lean into the discomfort. But sometimes we don't even ask, like, what are the options? We just assume it's going to be too expensive and too scary. And we stop before we've even been told, yes, it will be. You know, So I just want to say that, especially if you've been thinking about working with me or Delina, 
have that conversation with us. We'll point you to the level of service that you want. And I know like Delina's in particular worked really hard at affordability in her brand. And I would just say, going back to what I mentioned on your core values, ask yourself, how bad do you want this? Is, is this something that's truly going to make you happy, right? Because by the time you add up the small amounts you're spending on things that don't really matter, or even the big amounts that are not meaningful to you, you would have bought your program. So how bad do you want this? How important is this for you? And if you absolutely cannot afford it, you know, you, you can ask, hey, Melissa, hey, Delina, what free resources do you have right now that I can leverage? And just be part of the community. You're sharing on social media. You have this podcast. There are already resources that you don't have to pay a dime for until you can actually afford to, but you stay in the community. You stay on your focus of achieving your goal, right? Uh, a lot of people use money as the excuse as to why they're not doing something, but the truth is that you don't want to do it in the first place. You're not ready. And so Some you fear. have to be ready, right? You have to be. And going back, the one roadblock I missed, I remember going back to the roadblock is sometimes people want to do something, right? And they use money as the excuse or time as the excuse or their family or whatever as the excuse. But sometimes it's really that you haven't you haven't had a, a clear conversation with yourself, deep thinking with yourself to reflect on why you are here. Why do you want to change this thing you want to change? And if it's something that you feel you are personally responsible for being here, forgiving yourself for that. A lot of people don't forgive themselves for mistakes that they have made or things that they have allowed to influence them that they can't look past it to being able to do better or achieve their goals because they think they're always going to fail. This is always going to hang over their heads. They're always, you know, they were so, so foolish to have made that mistake. But the truth is, look at anybody you admire that has achieved the success that you want, famous or not. They have made ridiculous mistakes, hilarious mistakes. I have made expensive mistakes, but it's about learning from your mistakes and leveraging what you learn to motivate you, forgiving yourself, and then throwing the rest of it away, right? The self-doubt, the self-judgment that I cannot do this. And instead, you know what? I, I really need to figure out how to do this. And what is it going to take? Yeah. How bad and building, right? Like building on those experiences, if they were negative or positive, it's all coming with you. There's no such thing as failure, really. Yep. The timeline, the timeline's ongoing as we grow as people. So I think that's a beautiful philosophy to, to end with, Bola. Ooh, I feel energized. <laughs> I feel energized. Tell us a little bit about your, your resources. How can our listeners engage with Clever Girl Finances and what you're offering? Yeah, so we have, they'll stop, stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have over 30 plus completely free courses. We have over 40 plus completely free worksheets. We have a blog that gets updated multiple times a day with articles. We have the Clever Girls No podcast. And of course, there are the Clever Girl Finance books that you can find at your local library or wherever you buy your books as an ebook, audiobook, and physical book. And I have my new book coming out this summer called Choosing to Prosper. It's all about triumphing over adversity pursuing your life and money goals and achieving your dreams. And it's it's based on my personal story of building my business and adjusting my own mindset and a lot of what we talked about here on the podcast. So I'd love for you guys to check it out. Amazing. I'm so happy we got to get to know you. You're in our little circle now. I want to be around people like Bola. I don't know about you, Delita. You are so amazing. Yes, I'm ready. Your, your, your skills are really valuable, but also your presence, Bola, is like that way of being that you have is really awesome. So thank you for sharing that with us and with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. All right. Take good care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 
So what did you think of Bola and her expertise? I am so excited and blown away by her story and her energy. It just goes to show that sphere of influence that she talks about can make all the difference. And so if you are somewhere in your life right now where you're feeling completely alone in your pursuit to find food freedom, maybe because your doctors or your family members just don't get it, and you need that process and support to really dig deep and find those parts of your journey that need attention, I wanna invite you to apply for coaching. Right now, I'm enrolling clients into one-to-one, but periodically I offer workshops and flash sales and group coaching. And so the best thing to do is to DM me and ask, what's going on, Melissa? It's one of my favorite things when we message each other to just listen to your story, hear a little bit about what you're trying and help point you in the right direction. So if you are benefiting from the podcast and have always wondered, should I just call the podcast lady? this is your invitation to do so. Thank you very much for being here and being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.